Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Welcome to episode 103 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy and the host of the podcast. Thank you all so much for your recent reviews of the podcast. It has been so helpful to get some amazing guests who are coming up on the show. To start off, I am going to read one of the most recent reviews of the podcast. This review says, Elizabeth is a wonderful podcast host and really gets into the details of the topics we all want to know about the quilting industry. She lifts the curtain and gives a behind-the-scenes look into the industry, what works and what doesn't. Her honesty is a breath of fresh air, and I look forward to what each episode will bring. Thank you, Elizabeth, for such an informative and fun podcast. I am so grateful for that review. There wasn't a name with that review, but whoever you are who left that review, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I do. I love to lift the curtain and share the things that are going on in the industry, what's working, what's not, to give you ideas of how you can have success as a creative entrepreneur. And this week, I'm excited to bring someone. It's very timely. Uh, if you're on my newsletter, you saw a photo last week that I shared of an autoimmune flare-up that I keep dealing with. And this week on the podcast, we have Taylor Ann Macy. She is an autoimmune disease coach. She helps people with their health, both mentally and physically, when they have autoimmune issues. And if you're like, oh, I don't have autoimmune issues, this episode still pertains to you. Taylor Ann has some great insights into just our overall mental and physical health. Things that, I mean, sometimes it feels like, man, why do I have this health issue I have to deal with? But it kind of forces me to have to think about things. But there are things to think about even if you don't have an autoimmune problem or health concern that will help make your life better, your quality of life to just be better. And Taylor Ann talks about those things. She's very insightful. She has a very interesting story of her own to share. And actually, I was recently a guest on Taylor Ann's podcast called Brain Diet Podcast. So you can go check her podcast out as well. But now let me introduce you to Taylor Ann. Well, Taylor Ann, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I recently did an episode on your podcast, and now I'm excited to have you on the Craft Your Career podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is actually very timely. Uh, We'll jump into war why, actually. First of all, do you want to introduce who you are and what you do in the the world? Yeah, what I do in the world. Um, Yes, my name is Taylor Ann Macy, and I am a coach for women with autoimmune conditions. Um, I help them essentially lose fat to feel better, simplify their autoimmune wellness, and really create the weight that they've always wanted. So... Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So I didn't realize that the weight aspect was part of it. So do you generally work with people who are happy with their weight, but just want autoimmune help? Yes, that there's definitely, um, clientele that fits into that category. It kind of runs the gamut, right? Cause autoimmune wellness isn't just what the scale says, but oftentimes it can be affected by that. And so it's just a factor that I kind of emphasize depending on people's goals, but health is more than just like losing weight. It's, you know, it's much more comprehensive than that. And so it can really run the gamut, but yes, it, all categories. 
Okay. Well, okay. So I was saying it's very timely, but now I'll jump into why. Now that people know what you do. So I recently had an autoimmune flare up and I sent an email to my audience and just shared a photo and asked for, I mean, which was very, uh, what's the word bold of me because people are very, you know, they love to give advice, but there is a, there are a lot of people in my audience who struggle with autoimmune more than I even knew. And they were very loving and kind, but, um, do you have any numbers or statistics on how many people struggle with autoimmune issues? You know, I don't have exact statistic numbers, but just in my personal experience in the field, I have found similar to what you've discovered is it's much more common than people think. And I think the reason for this is we don't necessarily talk about chronic conditions in the same way that we talk about things like you know, terminal illnesses or even just viruses or infections, right? Those are things that we tend to say, oh, you know, I'm sick with the flu. Oh, you know, my loved one is going through cancer treatments or things like that. We, we talk about that a little bit more um, openly, if you will, whereas chronic illness, for whatever reason, just isn't something that people draw as much attention to. And so because of that, I think that when we have a diagnosis, when we have a condition that it can be a little bit isolating because we think that we are alone in it and that maybe there are not a lot of people in the world that can empathize when in reality it's incredibly common for people to have a variety of um, conditions that run a very wide spectrum of severity. But regardless, I mean, people all have different immune systems and it's, it's really common to have issues in a lot of different areas. Yeah. I mean, I did not know a few years ago, I was talking about autoimmune stuff with a friend and she's like, oh, I have autoimmune um, diabetes. I didn't know that was autoimmune. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's little things like that that you just don't really realize where it's just the body kind of working against itself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the more common things that you've seen people deal with? So I would say the vast majority that I see, um, I see a lot of Hashimoto's. That's one of the more common ones that I encounter. Um, And then less common, but still common are things like lupus, MS, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, PCOS, which kind of goes back and forth, whether it's labeled autoimmune or auto-inflammatory, but still kind of falls in a similar category, at least in certain approaches. Um, so those are kind of the big ones. And then there are some that are uh, more rare mixed connective tissue disorder. The condition that I have is called neuromyelitis optica, and that is a much more rare condition. But um, yeah, typically Hashimoto's is the one that I see the most, but there are a lot of different kinds. Yeah, interesting. So I'm glad you touched on what you have. Can you kind of share your story of, first of all, what what it looked like when you found out you had this and then how you turn that into what you do as a for a career. Yeah, totally. So I studied, went to school for exercise and wellness, nutrition. It's something that I've always been very passionate about and really had a lot of fun with. And so I was already in that realm of you know, manipulating body composition and maximizing and optimizing health. And so I would consider myself previous to diagnosis a relatively healthy person, right? I'd had two healthy pregnancies and overall was not afflicted with any type of chronic condition. And my, I have two kids and my youngest was about six months old and I had gotten a virus. I'd just gotten like a run of the mill cold type of thing. And this was in 2019 
And I just woke up one morning and couldn't see. Like I opened my eyes and I couldn't see. And I tried to stand out. I tried to turn and sit up and stand, get out of bed. And I couldn't, I, cu I couldn't get my balance enough to like stand up because I was so disoriented because I woke up and couldn't see. And safe to say it was very alarming mm -hmm. <laughs> and jarring and confusing and all of the emotions you can imagine, especially as someone, not that anyone ever expects to, you know, encounter any type of drastic event in their health like this, but it just felt very out of left field for me. And so it sent me on a very rapid and frantic journey of appointments and scans and visits. And I was very lucky in that I, I think I was able to get into the right specialists at the right time with a lot of uh, conditions really the the prognosis the the your lifespan with it all of it is dependent upon how quickly you're able to get care and that, that's not universally true but for for many the more quickly you can get on top of it typically the the easier it is to manage right and so i was lucky in that i was able to get to where i needed to be relatively quickly and it was probably you know a couple of weeks to where I'd gotten into a neuro-ophthalmologist, a specialist that was looking at these scans of my brain and my spinal cord. And they, you know, they said, we're not qualified to give you an exact diagnosis, but here's kind of what we think it is, but we're going to get you scheduled with a specialist and all the things. And so I got an appointment with a specialist that was like eight months away. And so again, I'm like, this is just what it is. I, I can't do anything about this. And at the time I had a friend that happened to be working at a neurologist's office. And he said, let me take your scans. Let me show them to my, the neurologist that I work for and we'll see what we can do. And I got a call that same day from the neurologist. And he said, can you come to my office tomorrow before we open? So it was like rapid, right? And so happens be, yeah, right? like, what is he seeing? Yes. And all this time, right? My eyes still had not even close to stabilized. I couldn't, not even close to drive. Getting around my house was difficult. Like it was just such a everything just turned on its head. Right. And so this next morning, it actually happened to be my husband's birthday. Sorry, husband. <laughs> we drove to this office and we got this diagnosis of this rare and aggressive autoimmune condition that's called neuromyelitis optica, NMO for short. And the treatment for it, there are few that are approved, they're FDA approved, but it's, it's grown and changed a lot, even in the last three or four years with, uh, treatment options and therapies and things. But the one that I'd started at the time was um, a chemotherapy drug. So it's an infusion that um, essentially you just do forever. And instead of having a three to five year lifespan, you know, it, it prolongs the time of um, your life and how long you're able to live with the condition. And again, because it was so early for me, I feel like things are very optimistic for what it's going to look like for me. So I've just been doing those infusions regularly for the last uh, three and a half years. And anyway, long story short, it really made me wonder, there's so much you can do with nutrition. I knew that. I'd done a lot of it. And how could I use what I knew to give myself every advantage, knowing that there was still a lot that I couldn't do? Like overall, mm -hmm. I took really good care of myself, or I, I thought I did, right? Right. 
And still this happened and it wasn't something that I could or could not have controlled as autoimmune conditions are. It's not like we necessarily are at fault by any means. It's just something that happens. And so it really got me questioning, okay, what can I do? How can I help myself? And how can I learn to mentally take care of myself when there are things that I can't control. I can't, I can't nourish my way out of certain symptoms and I can't exercise my way out of the flares and the things. And so it really shifted my perspective on, on health. And so that sent me on a path at the time I was certified as a life coach and I was already working in mental health and thought work. And, um, and then I already had my experience in nutrition and all of that. And so I was like, I, I need to marry these two because I, I want to be able to, to teach and share how you can eat and move to give yourself these advantages and then how to take care of your mind when it's out of your hands. And so that was kind of what started it all for me was, again, feeling isolated in my condition, but also feeling like there's so much that we can do that we often forget. We, we just, we think we're just a victim to it. And sometimes we want to be, and that's okay. But just for our own sake, I believe it's so important to take care of ourselves where we can, whether it's through diet, whether it's through mental health support. And so that was kind of what began, you know, the direction of my business at the time was, you know, my own story, as is often the case for many entrepreneurs, I find. Right. It's true. Yeah. So, okay. You mentioned something ever so quickly and then moved on. Do people who normally have what you have as an NMO, Uh um, is it normally a three to five year lifespan? So without treatment, and I would say, again, even in the last like two to three years, the the geography of the condition has changed dramatically. And so it's not quite as morbid as it once was. Um, but yes, without treatment, it's very aggressive. And hmm. what and, what exactly is happening in the body? So the immune system is attacking the brain, spinal cord, and optic nerve. And so the condition leads to blindness and paralysis, and then slowly other functions, just because the spinal cord is kind of the hub of all things. And so once those functions then shut down, everything else suffers. And again, that's without treatment. (laughs) I don't want to sound so morbid. There are a lot of really great things that are available now, and it continues to grow in its research and its um, optimism. And so, um, but yes, without it, it's, it's scary. And so at the time, you know, I had these two young kids and it was just like, what, what is my life now? Like, it was just such a, such a surreal moment for a long time. You know, it took that first year was, was a long, a long dark year for sure. And so now with this, uh, chemo drug that you're on, do you experience these symptoms still? Is your eyesight fully back to normal? So it took about two years for my eyesight to stabilize and it's not fully back to normal, but it has come a long way. I'm not even close to where I once was at the, um, at that initial episode. And so I was on a lot of different drugs to kind of try and stabilize things. And I am at a really good place now. The therapy that I'm on doesn't stop relapses and flares from happening necessarily. It just kind of prolongs the time between them. And for me, um, I've still had some symptoms arise over the last couple of years, but I, since that initial episode, I haven't had any 
subsequent um, really dramatic ones. It's just been little things that have kind of popped up that I'm like, all right, this is the next hand I'm dealt that I just kind of have to figure out. But but overall, it's the therapy's been working well enough for me to where I'm living pretty normally, I would say. Interesting. It's so interesting to hear this because again, I look at you, you look beautiful put together, you know, you've got a great business going. We just don't often at all have any idea what's what people are struggling with. And someone did actually reach out to me when I shared the photo of my flare up. And she was like, thank you just even for talking about it. And again, this is where I feel like this, maybe we don't talk about it because I don't want to sound like, wah, wah, poor me, or like this victim or whatever. But at the same time, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a conversation about it, you know? Yeah. And that's such a great point because that's a comment that I have gotten often over the last years. It's like looking at you, you would, you would never know. And the truth is like that statement is applicable to everybody, (laughs) whether it's autoimmune or not. It's like you, you just never know what people are going through. And due to the more like subdued nature of people's dialogue about autoimmune conditions. I think it especially applies where you do, you just see people on the surface and the way they look and the things they're doing, you see it on social media and you just never know. And so I think at least for me, it's been a good exercise the last couple of years in just giving people the benefit of the doubt and saying, you know, you never know what they're going through and maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe that's why they were unkind or, you know, said something that wasn't particularly thoughtful or whatever. It's just, it's been very humbling for me. And I think it's been obviously great, (laughs) but that statement is really um, applicable to everybody. And so it's a good lesson to, to remember that you just never know. Yeah. So I'm also curious because, um, well, because I, I'm looking into all these sorts of anti-inflammation diets and everything, and I remember you saying that you like to recommend adding things, not taking out, um, and I've wondered about that because, what I mean, maybe it's different. What if someone is, like, gluten intolerant at that point? Do they have to cut yes. it out, or, like, is it better to just cut everything out? And I, what are your thoughts on all that? That's such a great question. And I think it's really important to speak to because there is a little bit of nuance to it. So for someone that is having, that either has had a diagnosis or is thinking that maybe they are looking at a diagnosis of something like celiac, for example, that is an obvious, like, okay, gluten needs to be eliminated, right? there are conditions that are that way where it's like pretty black and white, you know, one plus one equals two. eliminate these types of things in order to help manage it. There are, um, my general approach of adding before you subtract, I'm not against subtracting. I just like to have it as kind of a last step of the process, just because I think with a lot of conditions, if you have like a pyramid of things that are important in paying attention to and managing a condition, a lot of times eliminating certain things is kind of like in the top 20% of what to work on. Whereas at the bottom, like the 80% of what needs to be uh, paid attention to first is things like adding more protein to your diet, making sure that you're getting enough fiber, drinking enough water, getting enough steps in the day. And those types of things are kind of the low hanging fruit that can make a really substantial difference in a condition all before having to eliminate something. Again, 
oftentimes elimination of certain things is very important for autoimmune conditions. But my approach is just that let's make sure that we get a lot of the basics down first and then reassess what we think would be a next good step. Because at that point, then it's like, yeah, maybe we can eliminate some of the more common trigger foods and see what happens. I just find that sometimes eliminating everything from a diet can be really difficult for people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to sustain. It can be taxing on like an emotional and mental state and family, right? There's just a lot that goes into it. And so that's kind of why I approach things the way that I do is I'm like, let's just really uh, emphasize the basics and see where that gets us because it can get you pretty far. And then we can move up into more of that nuanced section of the pyramid where we have more specific like, okay, what specifically does your body not tolerate that we can work on, eliminate? And that way it doesn't have to be so so drastic and like changing everything you eat and every second of your day type of thing. Well, that is nice to hear because I'm like, man, that feels it's life altering. First of all, food is a very social thing. So anytime you go out, you know, like, Oh, I, I don't know, just all that. But then you have this health issue that feels life altering in and of itself. And then you're going to go and alter everything you eat. You know, it just feels like, can I just have some normalcy? You right. know, because it's already so overwhelming. You're exactly right. Is there so much that's going on physically, mentally, emotionally, that sometimes it's just too taxing to have to then like flip everything, you know, on its head. Cause it's just, yeah, it can be overwhelming for sure. So things that you said, though, the low-hanging fruit, adding more protein, fiber, water, exercise. Yeah. So I have some basics that are always what I start with. And truly, these are basics that I think are important to any general layperson's health. But health with um, an autoimmune condition is even more, I don't want to use the word fragile because we aren't fragile, but it just takes a little bit more TLC, a little bit more love, right? And so the things that are important for any general person are even more important for those with an autoimmune condition. So the things that I recommend adding, yes, protein. This is because protein is a vital macronutrient for tissue repair. And if we have tissues in our body that are injured, even if it's by our own systems, we need fuel to be able to repair that tissue. And protein is also a great macronutrient when it comes to weight management because it helps with, um, you know, hunger cues and blood sugar and uh, stronger bones and all the things. Their protein is such a powerhouse, as are the other macronutrients. But protein, especially when it comes to tissue repair, is really vital. So with people that have autoimmune conditions, I always emphasize getting enough protein and it doesn't have to be weighing and measuring it, everything. It can be certainly, but just getting a palm sized serving of protein every time you eat, you can accumulate, you know, a substantial amount and give yourself huge advantages just by eating a little bit more protein. Fiber is another one that is kind of one of those basics of just like, let's just add a little bit here. And one of the great things about adding protein, adding fiber is you can find things that you enjoy eating within that category, right? So again, it's not like we're eliminating all the things that you love to eat. You just have to say, if I want to get more protein, what are things that I already love that I can just add a little bit more of? And so then when it comes to fiber, it's really important for gut health. Oftentimes, if we have things like celiac or Crohn's disease or IBS or something that you know affects our digestive tract, um, fiber can be really important in repairing the gut. And it is something that you kind of have to work with your doctor or a coach on because sometimes if you have inflammation in the gut and you add more fiber, it can be a little bit um, 
more aggravating. And so there's a little bit of a balance there, but generally speaking, getting enough fiber in the day is, um, really important for modulating the gut bacteria and just kind of helping those internal systems work the way that they, um, they need to, in order to best give you an advantage with the condition. And then the next thing is water. And again, it's so simple, but just getting hydrated, getting enough water in the day is so important for everything just to work a little bit more smoothly in your body. And so I, I have all of like the, the measurements of what to aim for, I can give you the link to put in the show notes just for, it's a free download for basic autoimmune nutrition, but, um, water's definitely up there. And then exercise for sure. I am a huge advocate of strength training, but when I'm talking to people with autoimmune conditions, steps, being outside and walking, like really, truly, it is so powerful to shoot for eight to 10,000 steps again, not because those numbers are magical necessarily. They're arbitrary numbers, but the idea of being outside, of moving your body, it helps with circulation. It helps with stress management, and stress can be very aggravating to autoimmune conditions. Um, it helps with uh, heart health and muscle tone, and there are just so many benefits to walking, and it's such a simple activity. I say that with the caveat because there are autoimmune conditions that can limit mobility, right? Things like MS and the condition that I have that can affect uh you know, the ability to walk. And so the alternative that I will recommend is just being outside, getting your feet into the ground, you know, moving to whatever your um, level of ability is. Um, it doesn't have to be that complicated, right? Now, again, I love strength training. I'm a huge fan of it. And for women that are able, 100%, you know, do that as much as you can in a very like strategic way. But again, the low hanging fruit, that 80% is just walking and you can do so much for yourself by just moving in that way. So yeah, those are kind of the basics that I recommend that I start everyone with just to be like, let's see what we can do by implementing these small habits. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite ways to get more protein? As we're talking, I'm like, I need more. So what peanut butter? Like what, what can we do? That's a good question. And this is what I love about paying attention to macronutrients. I know that there is a lot of there are a lot of opinions online about like what diet is the right diet. And a lot of people will shame like the macro diet and macronutrients isn't a diet necessarily. Macronutrients are just in all of the food that we eat and each macronutrient protein fiber, I'm sorry, protein, carbohydrate, and fat all play a different role in the body. Just like gas plays a role in the car, windshield wiper, fluid, oil, they all play a different role. And that's what these macronutrients do. That's why I emphasize protein is because it's so important for tissue repair and when you start to pay attention to getting more of a specific mac macronutrient, you start to just learn what's in your food. And instead of being overwhelmed by having to like change your diet so much, you just are more informed to make strategic decisions, right? And so when you start to learn about what's in food, it just empowers you to take care of yourself in a more mindful way. So when it comes to protein, um, peanut butter is a common one that people think is like, oh, that's a protein source. But typically it's considered more of a fat source. Nuts are more fatty. And so if you look at like the nutrition label, there's, you know, anywhere between like five and eight grams of protein per serving. And then there's usually like 12 to 16 grams of fat, which again, nothing wrong with nut butters. But if the name of the game is eating more protein, then it might not be the most strategic thing to reach for all the time. Mm -hmm. So for me, there are a variety of protein sources. That's another thing that's awesome. It's like you can find things that you like that you just don't even consider. So typically for me, things like Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, chicken breast, turkey breast, 
pork, um, beef, shrimp, tofu, protein powders. Um, they're obviously meats are going to be more of a optimal source of protein, but a lot of people have an aversion to it or, you know, go the vegetarian route, which is fine. There are a lot of alternative options to meat that can make getting protein relatively easy. And so, yeah, things, meats and tuna and, um, I'm trying to think what I've missed, tofu, protein powders. Yeah. Things like that are, there are a lot of sources that oftentimes we forget are available to us that are like, Oh, I wouldn't mind eating that. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to go do some, cause that's funny. I was like, Oh, almond butter, peanut butter. So, okay. <laughs> Those are more fats than yeah. And that's protein. okay. There's, there's I no, mean, you've got to have them too, but right, right. Yeah. And there's no demonizing of foods. That's what at least I appreciate about learning macronutrients is it's like, no food is, our body needs fat, just like I said, and fats and nut butter can be super awesome for our hormonal health. But if we're looking to eat more protein, it's like, all right, how can we just strategically choose something that might be a little bit different and still eat nut butter sometimes because they're delicious mm -hmm. as a way of just making our life better when sometimes it feels like our life is being taken from us. <laughs> right. Interesting. All right. Well, do you have like a list of your favorite, I don't know, protein powders or whatever food things. Yeah. I can give you the link to that as well. Um, just of like protein sources, right. Of, um, I've got a more comprehensive list than like off the top of my head that I can give you the link for that's super awesome. And, um, as far as protein powders go, honestly, I mean, it really just depends on your preference, your price range. Sometimes it can be a little bit of an expense. And to me, that's one that's well worth paying for. I love paying for protein powders and protein drinks because I know that it's a really easy way that I can get protein. And even though it is a little bit more expensive, I'm like, if that's the price to pay of getting enough protein to like heal my body in an efficient way, I'm game to pay that. And so, right. um, I kind of go back and forth with types that I like and types that I try. So really it's just about like figuring out one, finding one that you like, trying ones that interest you. And luckily it doesn't have to be like this or nothing else. It's like, there's a lot, there's a lot of options that are great. There are, that it overwhelms me a little bit though. I'm like, mm, which one? And then they're like, this is whey protein. And I can't remember if that's good or bad or, you know, all that. So, yeah. And that can be a hard thing too, just navigating a lot of the terms and it's kind of, there's a little bit of a learning curve with stuff like that. Whey protein is great. It's just the source of the protein. It's kind of a, a dairy source of protein, if you will, whereas something like pea protein or, you know, a more plant-based protein is just, again, for people that are looking to have a dairy-free approach or a plant-based approach. So there are lots of different options. Some protein powders can be higher in carbohydrates, which again is fine unless you're trying to consume fewer. So there's just a learning curve of being like, what can I look at? What am I, what are my goals and how can I look at the options and just make the best choice and then assess afterward how I feel, how it tastes, you know, how it works for me. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm curious specifically for my audience, people who are entrepreneurs who struggle with autoimmune, do you have any words of encouragement for this audience? Yeah. So I have so much love for people with chronic illness who are doing hard things like being an entrepreneur, running businesses, because it requires you to show up on a regular basis when sometimes no one's asking you to show up. Being an entrepreneur is you being the boss of yourself and sometimes that can be difficult. And so for one, 
it's so impressive to be able to keep going when it's hard. Something that I think is important for entrepreneurs with autoimmune conditions to understand is that sometimes the pace has to be different than perhaps what you expect of yourself. Sometimes, not even sometimes, I think we all do this to a degree. We put these expectations on ourselves of what we think our day should look like, what we think our task list should look like, what we think our business in general should look like, whether it's based on like our own, you know, made up stories of what we think it should look like or what other people are doing. We think we should look like other people. And we create these rules of what we think it needs to be. And for anyone that feels like they are not meeting those expectations, I just want to challenge them to consider that it's okay to have to just rewrite rules and adjust the pace. Because truly, when you can take the information that your body's giving you and just make a very kind and loving decision, I think it's one of the greatest opportunities to really develop a loving relationship with yourself. Because otherwise, we just internally beat ourselves up. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. And my body isn't good enough. And I can't do all these things. And right. And no one blames you for feeling that way. I think it makes perfect sense why we think that way sometimes. But when we can consistently have circumstances, be faced with circumstances that are challenging to us, it then challenges our relationship with ourselves to be able to say, okay, this is difficult. This isn't going to go as I expected. How can I show up for myself and develop an even more loving relationship? How can I be extra kind to myself? How can I really make sure that I respond lovingly as I would someone else. You know, if a child came to you and was like, I, I'm so sick, mom, you'd be like, I love you. That's okay. We can adjust our day in order to help you. Right. I think as much as it's challenging and we want to just beat ourselves up in a way, it's, it's an opportunity to, to really better yourself, to learn how to be kinder to yourself. And so to take those opportunities when your body is, you know, not doing exactly what you wanted or anticipated to say, how can I love myself instead of be upset about this? Well, that is so beautifully said. And I, I, I this must be something you see a lot. I know I struggle with this too. If I'm having a time where I'm just exhausted and I need to step back and it's funny because when I'm out of that phase and I'm like, I have energy again, I'm like, man, why did I beat myself up? It's fine, you know? Yeah. But then when I'm in it, I'm like, oh, I feel so guilty, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's such a funny thing because I feel like I'm right in the middle of that right now where the last couple of weeks I've just been like down and out. And I have had those moments where my brain's wanted to be like, oh my gosh, this is, you're such a lazy, you know, wanted to just be so mean. And then I started to have more energy and I'm like, why did it, I was, it was okay. Like I just had to have some downtime, like it's no big deal. And so the more self-awareness we can develop about those types of things, the easier it can be to recognize, to be like, you know what, today I'm just out of charge. I'm out of batteries. Like, and that's okay. I can just allow that because what's the rush anyway? Like I I'm going to keep going. I know I'm going to keep showing up for myself when I'm ready. So it's okay for me to just adjust the pace that I might've been planning on. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, we get to do that. You know, like yeah. we are the boss. It's kind of lovely because let's say you say, oh, I'm going to launch this on this day. And all of a sudden you get sick or whatever. So tell people, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. we're going to change the date. <laughs> like, And it's funny when I coach other people and they're like, well, I just feel bad because I'm behind. I'm like, behind what? Relative to what? Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's your own self-imposed thing, you know? So in a way, I guess it's really lovely for entrepreneurs because we can 
move the date if we need to, you know, and it's not lazy, it's self-care. Right. And that's the important part is to be able to look at those decisions to make them and then to have your back about them to be like, you know what, I just did not have it wasn't in the cards for me. It isn't in the cards for me right now. And that's okay. I'm doing a great job. I'm so proud of myself for getting this far. And I can change things. I can push back timelines. I can adjust things. And it's going to be okay. I'm so proud of how I'm still showing up even when it's hard. Yeah, I love that. So I'm curious, what does it look like for people to work with you? Yeah, so I will work one-on-one with clients and take them through, based on their goals, a very comprehensive health transformation, if you will. Um, Whether that's related to weight or otherwise, again, I like to uh, really work with, for those that have the goal of weight loss, I like to work with them on fat loss, right? Because weight loss and fat loss are two very different things. And so if that's someone's goal, then that's something that I'm really passionate about creating in a way where you feel like you get to live your life, you get to eat the foods you enjoy, and you get to create the weight and the health that you want. Um, So I work with one-on-one clients to create the health that they want, which is really awesome. And then I also have a 21 day challenge that's called eat better, feel better, how to kickstart your autoimmune nutrition. And for anyone that is looking just to really get their foot in the door and start having some accountability and start to just implementing some of these basic, the low hanging fruit that can be so powerful. That's a challenge that I really recommend people sign up for because then they can get all of the information on what they need and how to do it. And then they can have support from me as well um, to be able to just get the ball rolling when it comes to getting their nutrition the way that they want it to be. Is that, that 21 day challenge, do you offer that all the time? Or is it like you, you move everyone through the 21 days together at the same time? Great question. So right now I, ha- I offer it all of the time. So you can find all of the information just at my website, taylornmacy.com. Um, and there are different options so you can get a more individualized experience and work with me a little bit more closely, but it is just on an individual basis. That way, you know, you don't have to worry so much about the start and stop times. You can just do it whenever is convenient for you. And, um, and it's a really awesome way just to start again to get to know the foods that you're eating about what you can add and adjust in order to just help yourself move further along and everything. So that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. So for our listeners who want to find you, where, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can check out my website, taylorannmacy.com. All of the information is there. I am on Instagram, taylorannmacy. And then I also have a podcast that you were a guest on. We love that episode. And it is called Brain Diet. It's on all podcast platforms. So you can search that wherever you love to listen. Those are typically the three places where I recommend accessing me or my content, IG, podcast and the website. So yeah. And it's Taylor and T-A-Y-L-O-R-A-N-N, no E at the end, right? Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And Macy. Yeah. com. Yeah. There we are. Awesome. Well, I have really enjoyed this episode. So if people, if listeners are wondering in the show notes, are you, we'll have the, um, We'll have the downloads. Okay. So I'm going to give you the downloads for the protein and then for the basics. So those are I'll just give you the links for those to have in the show notes and then anything else that needs to be there. (laughs) Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was just a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. 
thank you so much for being here on the podcast, Taylor Ann. I loved chatting with you. It's very insightful to just hear other people's stories, to realize, my goodness, sometimes things look just fine on the outside and we just never know what's going on behind the curtains. And then to just hear some tangible things that we can do in our own lives to increase our energy, our well-being, our mental state. So thank you so much. I know for me, I've left this with some actionable items that I'm going to do. So thank you so much, Taylor Ann. And next week, we'll be right back here on the Crafty Career Podcast with a brand new episode. I have a couple of guests lined up, and I've got an episode myself that's coming up soon. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and you will be notified when the new episodes come out. I hope you have a lovely week, and I will see you right back here next Friday on the Craft to Career Podcast. 